But we're going to talk today about corresponding action to your faith. Amen. There is a corresponding action to your faith um, to complete it, to bring it alive, to make it active. And so um, I think we should talk about that a little bit because there have been a lot of, excuse me, a lot of opportunities that we've had over the years uh, to make our faith come alive. We, we've learned a lot about faith, probably not as much as we think we know sometimes, you know. We take some things for granted. We, we assume we know more than we do uh, many times because we hear the word so often. Uh, just because that word has a familiar ring to it doesn't mean that you understand how to get it active in your life, how to make it work for you. And really what, what the reason we share the word and we teach the word is to give you understanding so you can get benefit of the word so that it can, it can be real for you. You can receive the things that God wants you to have, uh, without fail. And so that's only part of <clears throat> why we have the word. The other thing, this word is transforming. It's very powerful. Uh, and I think we're transformed more than we know. Um, in many ways, a lot of the transformation isn't readily uh, visible all the time. It isn't noticeable to us because God does work in the unseen realm. But there are changes that he is placing in all of us all the time by his word. Now, as long as we stay faithful to the word and, and meditate on the word and, and uh, grab it, grab hold of it and take it to heart, uh, then that word will prosper us and bring us benefit. And and so, um, but there are certain things that uh, corresponding actions to our faith that we need to study a bit and get an understanding of how this impacts our lives and why it's necessary to put our faith into action. Amen. And and uh, just just live by faith. When when the Bible says the just shall live by faith, what that means is that. Now that you've been justified by God, you're, you're a righteous person, your sins are forgiven, you've been given his spirit, put the spirit to work for you, and the only way that happens is by faith, is by you studying the word, meditating on the word, and acting on the word, so that that word blesses and prospers you. I can remember when I was a new Christian, and I, I read the word a lot, when and I was at, you all most of you are familiar with my testimony. I was at home because I was housebound, and but that didn't stop God from healing me. Amen. Didn't stop Him from ministering to me and and helping me uh, until I was able to get to a place where I could sit under the Word and get committed to a fellowship. Every obedience you do in God enhances your relationship with Him. Amen. I never advocate people staying at home from church. Because that's not scriptural. You need to obey as much of the word as you can. Amen. My situation was I wasn't able to. I'd, I'd go to a church and I could sit for 10 minutes and then I'd get a panic attack and have to leave. You understand? So God had to heal me at home. And so, but that did show me something that, that it didn't stop God from meeting your personal needs. Now, the ministry in that came later after I've came under authority, you're only going to get so far. 
You understand? You, you'll get some of your personal needs met by shirking church people. <laughs> but I wasn't shirking anybody. You understand what I'm saying? My, my reason was different. Everybody has their own reason. But it was my desire to continue to obey God. And one of the things he did was he put me in fellowship with believers after he healed me. And I've been a church goer ever since. So I don't ever encourage people, uh, to, who are able to get to a service not to get there. Uh, if you're close to one where you know it's gonna benefit you, do a little driving and get there. You know, extend some effort. See, these are corresponding actions. You know, all of these things, uh, prove our faith. All of these things, uh, help our faith. And they enhance our relationship with God. So faith really is the relationship with God that we want to pursue. We want to pursue a life of faith, a life of believing God, a life of living for God. And that is done by putting action to your faith. So if you'll turn to James chapter 2, we'll get started there. Because this is a a scripture that, you know, we we quote a lot and we... Uh, are familiar with it to a degree, but you want to get a little more familiar with things. You know, we're, we're coming into a place now where God, uh, really needs us to, to be 100% into what He's doing. Uh, I, I call it a remnant of people who are, are faithful and sold out and, and in love with the Lord and are be obedient to the Lord. Um, so there's there's a lot of moving around and shifting in the body of Christ, a lot of separating and sorting uh, among God's people. And so we we want to stay in that number of people who are living by faith. That's that's what you want to do. So in James chapter two, he says here, uh, let me see, where do we want to start? I'll start in 14, I think. It says here, What does it profit, my brethren, though a man say he has faith and has not works? Can faith save him? Now, just having faith without doing something with it will not help you. I always look at faith as a, you know how you buy a, a book of matches? Well, none of us are smoking, but you cook, you know, I mean, if you light your, your barbecue pit or something like that, you know, uh, you, you need a match every now and then in your life. And, and I look at faith as that match before you strike it. See, it's dead by itself, but once you activate it by putting a little energy with a little agitating a little bit on a rough surface and that flame shoots up, because you have put action to it, something that's going to make it alive and activate it, now it's fire. Before, it was just sitting there. And that's where our faith is. It sits there until we bring it into action by some kind of work or a corresponding action, an action that will, will when it's added to your faith, will cause your faith to be ignited and come alive. Now, there are some actions that we can do that don't do anything for our faith. There are things that we can come up with on our own that we think is going to really mean something, you know, as far as uh, our faith is concerned. I remember back in the 80s and the 90s, it was very, very fashionable 
to if you were believing God for something, you cut a picture of it out and stuck it on your refrigerator. And you walk by it, and that visual was supposed to do something. Most people had airplanes or Maseratis or, you know, something they really could not afford sitting up there on the radio, uh, uh, refrigerator. Nobody had a little, uh, you know, a picture of their little job that they were going to at the time and a promotion on the inside of that job. That would have been a better, more realistic next step. But, you know, hey, whatever. I'll do what you want to do. But there are a lot of people with with uh, tattered pictures on the refrigerator. They've fallen off a million times. They stick them back up there. I remember magnets on the refrigerator are very, very um, helpful. People had a ton of magnets up there. and A lot of them had scripture on them. And you stuck your picture of what you would believe in God for under that magnet. And you were supposed to, that was supposed to do something for your faith. That was supposed to make it happen. And so many times we are given blanket corresponding actions instead of God-given corresponding actions. So there's a difference. One will come to pass. The other one maybe will not. Or it might. might take you a while. Just looking at it, patting it, and all that kind of stuff might take you a while to get it in, but it might get here. But the vast majority of people never got the uh, millionaire status that they they were prophesied to get. People never told them how they were going to make them millions. That would have been real helpful, you know. I mean, if God's going to make you a millionaire, God, God, tell me which direction. Where do I take my next step to it? You know, it show me where it's at. All that kind of stuff. And so what what we really, really need to understand is that you can't take the works of faith out of the realm of the Spirit. They have to stay consistent with the Spirit of God. They have to stay in that realm with the Spirit of God. They They can't, like, you can't make up your own thing that you do to make it come to pass. That way it is works. Amen. So it's easy to take it out of the context and out of the leading of the Holy Spirit. And then your works, you're into dead works because you're not being led by the Spirit of God and the Spirit of faith in what you're doing. And so it's, it's good to, to understand that there is a difference. There are some corresponding actions that we can all do that seem like they point toward you're getting what, what you believe God for. But it's best to get that corresponding action from the Spirit of God. Amen. Get it directly from the Spirit of God. And so he says here, or if, can faith save him? That's a question. If you, if you say, if you believe in your heart and never confess with your mouth, are you saved? Well, somebody better get an answer. Yes, no, or whatever. You understand what I'm saying? I mean, that's a real question. Are you? If you believe in your heart and never confess with your mouth, are you saved? No, you're not. You got to do both. Faith without works is dead. Amen. And see, this is, this is like, I was talking to somebody. It'll shock you how many people can tell you John 3.16 and and say scripture and can be comfortable around you when you say scripture and have never been born again. 
they can say all the right things. Look at all the Muslims. Oh, we believe Jesus was a prophet. Prophets don't lie. He said in the Bible he doesn't. They know the scripture before you give it to them. You know what I'm saying? And so, but, but, uh, it, 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 you need to ask that question. You need to ask people, have you ever asked Jesus to come into your heart? Have you ever talked to him and told him, asked him, forgive you for your sins and cleanse you and, and let you be born again? And many times people just think about it and they, they, because there are people in churches everywhere who are sitting there not saved and they're comfortable. They, they listen to the sermons, they jump up and down and get excited when they hear the word, but nobody's ever taken them down the right road for, for that happening to happen. Because people are very comfortable with everybody in church. You know, we, we get comfortable sitting next to somebody and in that atmosphere, everybody seems acceptable. There's, you know, especially if they're not uncomfortable there, you know, you assume. Amen. And so, but, but, you know, somebody has to close the deal for God. Somebody has to make sure that people are born again. There was somebody, um, shoot, I think it was, wasn't it somebody at your church, your Bible school? Yeah. 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 Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, the, the, some uh, pastors at Shannon's Bible school that she went to, now they were saved then, but the wife, uh, they'd been pastoring for 10 years and the wife got, just got born again one day after being, see, you see what I'm saying? So, so, and, and sometimes people, like I say, we get comfortable with one another. That's why it's good, you know, when people have evangelists that come in and, and minister, they know how to find all the, the, the bugs under the rug, you know what I'm saying? They'll they'll flush everybody out that that's not saved, or they'll keep pressing and pressing, and they'll say, "I knew it was somebody here that didn't know the Lord," until they finally raise their hand. You know, they'll just keep that press on until people. And it's a good thing because those people might have assumed that they were right with God and in, in going to heaven when they actually were not. If if and in this is a, a tell on whether somebody really is born again. They begin to lead other people to the Lord. Now you'll find people in churches that have never prayed for somebody to get saved. And the chances are they have never confessed and prayed the prayer themselves. Amen. And so these people were in a Baptist church. We usually take for granted. Baptists get every, that's normal. He said, they'll get you saved. No, they won't. Not all of them will because there's, their church is full and Pentecostals won't either. Their church is full of people that have never confessed Christ. And they'll, they'll get in a group in the church and, and everybody will pray and they'll get their needs met. And they'll be good givers and good church workers, but they've never asked Jesus into their hearts. I had an aunt like that. She used to talk to me all the time and she was big in her church and she's in a Baptist church. She would give fundraisers and raise money for missions and stuff like that. And she knew I wasn't saved. She knew there was something different about me. I didn't know the Lord. I talked like a, a carnal person. And she told me everything but how to get saved. 
She told me, she said, I want you to read your Bible and I want you to do this and come to church with me. And I knew for a fact she wasn't saved. After I got saved, I asked the Lord to save her. And I believe he did. You see what I'm saying? So people can skip all over the the real important part. That's why I'm thankful for people who will go get right down to business with people. Have you ever asked Jesus into your heart? Have you ever asked him to forgive you of your sins? Amen. And so when when we understand that, then we can reproduce after our own kind. That's all they're doing. They're reproducing after their kind. A bunch of religious churchgoers, and a lot of them really love God. It has nothing to do, but you don't want to love God and miss heaven. If you love God, you won't go where he lives. You don't want to wind up in hell where the devil is. And so these things have to be done, folks. They have to be done so that we can have that that relationship, that valid relationship. So he says, can faith save him without works? No, can't. Amen? And he says, if a brother or sister is naked or destitute of daily food, and one of you say to them, go in peace, be warmed and filled, you confess what you want to see happen to them and don't do anything to help them. Amen. Amen. Not, notwithstanding, you give them not those things which are needful for the body. What does it profit? So you can see, send people home from a good meeting at church and they starve to death because nobody's met that need. Amen. You got to dig in there and find out what's, what, what the works of faith are that God wants us to do. He says, even so, faith, if it does not have works, is dead being alone. So one thing we do know about all the fruit of the Spirit, they need help from one another. All of them. Amen. They need help from one another. Love needs patience. Like the Bible, when the Bible defines love, it says love is patient and kind. So an aspect of love is patience. But if if you are a kind person and you're not a patient person, amen, you're missing something. So God gave us nine fruit of the Spirit so that we can complete, be complete and entire, lacking nothing. And patience generally is the final, the final fruit that develops in people. The Bible says that patience have its what maturing work, perfecting work, so that the man of God can be whole and entire, lacking nothing. So patience is generally the last, the last cornerstone in in the building. Amen. Because in and it's a it's a proven thing. You can see people get excited about God, want to serve God, and they rip and run everywhere, passing out tracts and inviting people to church, and and they burn out in five or ten years. You don't see them anymore. So so, and I don't mean from your church, they don't go nowhere. You know, people try to play that, play you like that. I'm going to so and so's church because they do this, that, and the other. I said, well, more power to you. Next thing you know, they're nowhere. They never got to that next place. Why? Because they don't want to be in church, period. They're done with that. Amen? So and we have to recognize that about people and, and learn how to pray accordingly for them. You know, don't believe what they tell you about their reasons. People in disobedience lie. L-I-E, lie. I said it. If they want to tell the truth, they stay in church. Amen? That's where the truth is. 
So he says, even so faith, if it does not have works, is dead, being alone. Well, if a man say, you have faith and I have works, show me your faith without your works and I will show you my faith by my works. Amen? So if if somebody says, I got faith, you don't ever see them doing anything to prove that they have faith. They have no corresponding actions. That faith that they have is faith, but it's not doing them any good. You want your faith to produce for you and, and do something. Produce what God wants it to produce in your life. He says, I'll show you my faith by my works. So works prove that you believe. What you do proves what you believe. Amen. God doesn't believe we're going to do anything until we do it. That's the, he's a faith God. And, and, and he does what he says he's going to do without fail. He says, you believe that there is one God, you do well. He said, but demons also believe, but they at least tremble. You understand what if they got some works to go along with their faith and we don't. Amen. And so he says, but what will you, O vain man, that faith without works is dead? Will you not know that? That faith without works is dead, O vain man. Was not Abraham our father justified by works when he had offered Isaac his son up on the altar? God didn't believe Abraham was going to do nothing until that knife came up over that. You understand what I'm saying? Now we look at that as drastic. Yeah, well, he, he took him up there, Lord. That's some faith. He tied him to the altar, Lord. That's some faith. Uh oh. Well, I guess I'll get the knife out. But why did he go that far? Was God that hard to please? He went that far. Why? The Bible says he received him in a figure alive again. So he had faith for God raising him from the dead. So he wasn't scared. He was going to stab him if he needed to. You understand what I'm saying? And so, and, and this is what we need to have. We have that kind of faith in us. That faith that is able to go the extra mile. Amen. There are many people that want to quit. You know, you start believing God for something in three days. You want to say, well, I don't know what's going to happen. What is, when is it going to happen? I ain't got here yet. Is it? Blah, 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 blah. Or if it's something that's really going to humble you and change you to believe it, that's when people quit too. You know, the the biggest thing people want to quit on is relationships. And those are the most significant things in your life. The things are that are the most important people by the droves want to quit on quicker than anything. They'll come up with excuses. Well, people have to want to change. You don't know what's in somebody's heart. Did you want to change when you got saved? No, you were looking for help. And when you got help, you got changed with the help. God never asked anybody that he's this asking to be born again or whatever to change. You got to catch a first fish first before you can skin it and clean it. You come just as you are. And then change comes along later. Many times we kicking and screaming. That's the part we don't want. We want to stay carnal, enjoy God, and enjoy everything else. Well, it ain't going to happen. 
Because justified people live by faith. Amen? Faith means you don't have to see it, touch it, taste it, feel it. (laughs) Smith Wigglesworth said that Jesus said, yeah, I read about a man in the Bible who walked by feelings and he got deceived. Huh? Isaac, when he blessed Jacob and Esau, he felt him and he smelled him. And he heard him. He said, the voice is, is, uh, Esau's, but the, the hand is Jacob's. So he went ahead and blessed him anyway. He's going by feel and by touch. Amen. Couldn't go by sight. Sight was gone. And so, in, in, but, but the thing of it is, we have to put our carnal man aside. Reckon him dead. And come alive in the realm of the spirit. And when you come alive in the realm of the spirit, everything you need for success is in God's word. Just don't come up out of the word and try something different. Amen. And so God will, will work relationships. He'll heal relationships. He's, there's nothing too hard for him. He wouldn't, what everything God promises us depends on a person to complete it. They promise you a job. Somebody's got to hire you. That's a person. Amen. He said, men will heap into your bosom. God creates us to depend on one another in him. God will open the door to that individual that's supposed to help you. But God can, he says, I'm the God of all flesh. Nothing's too hard for me. Amen. He created all flesh. So nothing's too hard for him. And so once we understand that, that when God promises, if he promises you success in your marriage, when he promises you success with your children, when he promises you success in your job, those are relationship-oriented situations. Amen? So he's got to be able to change people. He changed you, and he's trying to change you some more. If you'll let him. We want to change a little bit and then watch everybody else. Huh? And we haven't even changed. We still the same little nosy, gossiping, busybody we always been. Huh? Looking for a good little tidbit or morsel. Huh? I'm working on prayer requests. No, you ain't. You in somebody's business. Prayer requests come from within. Holy Spirit can tell you who to pray for, how to pray, how long to pray, when to pray. You don't have to go on Facebook or or in some crazy magazine to find out how the stars are doing. I'm going to see what Ye talking about today. You don't know nothing about no Ye. You, don't, you ain't even in his, in his circle. Stay off of that stuff. You don't see people, there's people on Facebook, I never see them post until something comes up in the news about some entertainer. Now, I'm just going to say this about uh, Juanita Bynum. You better get your mouth off of this. She ain't your servant. She God's servant. You don't know nothing about that woman. Because I don't know nothing about her until God tells me what he wants me to know about her. Other than that, she cool with me. Leave that woman alone. You just mad because you ain't got no money. You ain't got nothing that's worth charging somebody that kind of money for. (laughs) We need to stop doing that. 
You don't know what God told her. You understand what I'm saying? You don't know what he told her to do. Amen. Amen. So, so here he says, was not Abraham our father justified by his works when he took Isaac up and put him on the altar? Not only put him there, but was getting ready to sacrifice him. God didn't let him do it. Why? Because that's God's place. He would give his only son. Amen. So God will not have us duplicate what he's going to do. There would be no purpose for it. And then God does not require us to sacrifice our, our own seed. Amen. He just wants you, wants to know where your heart is about it. Amen. If you're willing to be obedient. He says, seeing that, see, seest thou how faith, uh, wrought with his works and by works was faith made perfect. So your faith is made perfect by your works. See, many times that's what's the missing ingredient when we say we're waiting on the manifestation of something. You better find out what corresponding action is necessary to cause that to manifest. You got me? Because you can confess, confess, and the confession, don't get me wrong, confession is good. And there are some things that are brought about by your faith confession, just by your words. There are many things that are brought about that way. But there are some things, though, that the corresponding action may take you outside of the word, the realm of words. Amen. But words are very powerful to do what God wants them to do. So uh, when, if, if there's and always check with God and see if there's something else. What else could I be doing, Lord? I don't just want to sit here and pretend I'm believing and waiting if, if sitting and waiting isn't the thing to do. There's something else maybe that I could be doing. There's something else uh, maybe that, that will show you that I'm putting your word into action. I'm not just sitting here admiring the word and looking at my Bible. You know what I'm saying? And he says, and the scripture was fulfilled, which says, Abraham believed God. It was fulfilled when? When he took Isaac up. Amen. And it was counted, it was imputed unto him for righteousness, and he was called the friend of God. Amen. So they were like right together, seeing eye to eye. Amen. So when when you're called a friend of God that puts you on a level playing field with him, you can talk to him, you can speak to him, you can can uh, uh, reason together with him, come to an agreement, come to understanding, amen, without penalty, without fear, without any of that. You can share what God shares, amen, what he has. <clears throat> you see then how that by works, a man is justified and not by faith only, not by believing only. You've got to put some action to your faith. Likewise, also, was not Rahab the harlot justified by works when she had received the messengers and had sent them out another way? For as the body without the spirit is dead, so faith also without works is dead. So works bring faith to life. Amen. Uh, not just speaking words. That's a spirit. It The Holy Spirit brings faith to life when you speak 
speak the word of God. There is life there. But there's also a corresponding action that there may be needed outside of just the speaking of it. Amen. That that will make your faith come to life or make it more pronounced or commit you in a different level to what you believe. Amen. There there are some things that that um, that people do that commit them to a, a certain level of believing God to stay with what he gives them to do. You know, um, I can remember when I first started in ministry, I told the Lord, I said, well, Lord, if I'm going to be a minister, I said, I'm I'm going to uh, sow my job to you so that whatever happens, you know, I'm just going to stick with this. I'm not going to quit this and go work. I'm not going to try and work too and and shave off what God would have you do in ministry, you know. I know that's necessary sometimes for people, but he gives you grace to be able to accomplish both. But there comes a point when when what you're doing for God, sometimes he begins to want to give you more responsibility and more things to do. And so you can't be running off to somebody's nine to five. You have to commit your that faith to that. And so that means that, I can't just go run in, in, you know, do Uber or something. I feel, I feel sorry for the person in the back seat, but they gonna go on a wild ride. And I'll say, I don't like this street. I don't like this neighborhood. I'm just getting on up out of here. You, you understand what I'm saying? And so you have to believe, start to believe God that, that he will take care of you if you work for him. You got me? You, you just have to do that. And so, um, and I've tried to do other things. I forget about it. I say, oh, well, maybe I'll have a little extra money if I go do this over here, you know. And it wasn't me. I remember buying vending machines, you know, and I was going to do that. That failed. And I looked, I said, God, you let me put all that money. He said, you made a vow to me. See, money don't move God as much as we as it moves us. I put it that way. He'll teach you a good lesson through money you don't have. <laughs> He'll teach you to keep his word to him. I say, you mean I couldn't do that little bit of stuff? See, we're always trying to squeeze a little bit or make an excuse for, you know. I just got nervous about my finances, you know. I, You know, when you have a live husband working, that's different than being a widow. You understand what I'm saying? And my income had dropped 90%. Now, people don't believe that. When I say it, they go, so what's 90%? What do you mean? She's just literally, yeah. You understand what I'm saying? And and so you got to understand that you will be tested on these things. you you got to keep your vows to the Lord so that, you know, and, and I would think sometimes I said, well, God, I'm not busy on this day, that day, and surely I could do something. Uh-uh, you made a vow. It was not about being busy or not being busy. It's about keeping your word. Amen. And so I, I've realized that it was very, very important for me to stand on what I believe. And see, this is how your faith is built. Uh, building blocks of faith. If you make a vow to God and then you change and go do something else, where is your faith? See, you've cheated yourself out of that building block of faith where you could be higher up on the faith ladder, 
but you keep sliding back down because you keep trusting in the natural or getting scared that the spirit won't hold you up. You know what I'm saying? God's not with you, that kind of stuff. And so, you know, faith without works is dead also because it's by itself. So if I hadn't continued to work for God and forget about trying to go work a secular job, amen, uh, you know, my my faith would have lain dormant for things that he needs it for over in here where I'm really supposed to be. You know, using my faith. See, you cheat yourself when you try to cheat on faith, on faith. You know, you don't help yourself any. It's like, well, if, if you don't have enough faith to keep your vow to not get upset about money and nervous about money, where are you gonna use your faith? Where are you gonna trust God? Amen. Where are you gonna, where's that gonna happen? And so you, you, you need to understand that once you make a vow to the Lord, you need to hold on to that and keep that, uh, keep that going. Amen. You know, I, I made a vow to God I wouldn't wear pants in the sanctuary when I come to preach. You understand what I'm saying? And, and you know, it's, it's not like, oh, pants are just horrible. It's not a judgment thing. It's just something that was in my heart to do so that I don't get involved in clothing that's not going to be suitable. Because, see, it's easy to, you know, if you make a real rigid line, it's it's easy to stay in that rather than have a flexible line that you can cross. You understand what I'm saying? And so, you know, I've seen women in the pulpit with slacks on, pants too tight, jacket too short. It's embarrassing to me. You see what I'm saying? So, you know, down to your ankle won't hurt you. You're in God's house. You know, y'all didn't come for a fashion show, and you sure didn't come. I didn't come to show nothing off. You understand what I'm saying? I come here to represent God. Represent. You gotta do that. Amen? You, you can't forget who you, what you're doing. You gotta keep that. And so if, if the way you dress is a reminder to you all the time you represent God, it's a good thing. If you got 15 different options to choose, not a good thing. You gotta stay with something that's consistent and something that's a blessing. There are a lot of, you know, when you go to certain denominations, there are people in denominations where that's a must for the women. I respect that. I'm not going to thumb my nose at them and say, y'all need it. What you hide? You know, all that stuff that people say. and It's just carnal. It's just carnal. It has no place in God's house, you know. Now, that's for me. I do that for me. You understand what I'm saying? You do you. But these are things, and they make sense to me to do certain things. Once you make up your mind about something and let it alone, you don't have to continue to make up your mind about it. You know, you don't come across something flashy to wear and think, ooh, maybe I should wear this. Yeah, I already got my flashies. My uniform, my uniform, as they say. (laughs) My uniform, got my uniform, amen. Hey, y'all don't even want to see my ankles. You got me? <laughs> we don't want to be peeping on each other. That ain't what we here for. Not what we here for. Amen. 
So, how'd I get over there? Faith without works is dead. So, so you gotta back up your faith in God. God, I'm here as your representative with certain works. You gotta pick a wardrobe that you know is not going to distract from. You know, you'll see people they get on television where they, before when, when they first started, they had a little humble thing about them, you know, very modestly dressed. The more popular they get, the more money they get, you see them changing all of a sudden. Now all of a sudden the way they look is a major distraction to people. And it's not right. See, it's it's crossing the line and then once you get over that line, there's another one to cross. The devil will keep drawing lines in the sand for you and daring you to cross over them. And you keep crossing over. So in these things, what God is going to remember about me is that I stay faithful to what I told him I was going to do. I'm your representative. Amen. You People make enough mistakes without, you know, having errors in those that direction. You know what I'm saying? You're going to make enough mistakes. You'll make mistakes understanding the word, preaching the word, talking to people. You understand what I'm saying? There's enough room for error in other areas of your life. Keep some things consistent. Amen. Keep some things consistent. So, okay. So anyway, this is uh, faith without works is dead. Amen. Also, <laughs> so we need to find the corresponding action that is going to loosen our faith so that we can receive what we're asking God for. That's what this is for. The corresponding action is something that we need to do. To release our faith in such a way that the manifestation materializes. Amen. That it comes alive for us. So um, our faith is dormant and inactive at all times. But it can be activated at any time. It's like a, a loaded gun. Amen. You don't have to run around and look for the bullets to put in there. It's loaded all the time. But you got to pull the trigger. To get the the action of your faith. And so. And it's a good thing that your faith isn't active all the time. Because every word you say would manifest. So so God is in control of it folks. He's in control of it. You're not just out here. Saying words and confessing things. and, And seeing things happen. Outside of God's jurisdiction. Or or his oversight. Or even his prompting and his leading. These are the things that we need to understand. God is very active in our life of faith, our justified life of faith. So it's dormant all the time and, and not totally active, not all, all the time alive, but it does come alive to a degree by our words. So you will get a degree of life on, on, on your, uh, degree of life on your faith by your words. So if your words are faith words, they will have uh, a a an amount of life in them, a, an amount of manifestation in them. Um, what we generally do when we mix the word of God with faith, now we're talking about the word of God, the only word that God honors is his word, not ours, not our little made up stuff. So it's his word that we put our faith in, we put our confidence in, and then we initially activate it by our confession. 
Now, we know it as prayer. But prayer is a confession as well. Amen. Prayer can also be an inner confession as well as an outer confession. Amen. Um, there are many times you won't be able to say the word out loud, but you can say it within. Amen. And, and when the corresponding action comes to do, then it will manifest. Meditation is very, very important to convert your soul so that you are 100% convinced that God's word will come to pass. You know, you're not trying to convince yourself it's true. You know it's true. You want to make sure it comes to pass. That's the hard thing. That's the thing that gets us all stumped. Is, is God gonna, is God gonna do what's, what comes out of my mouth? Is it gonna really happen? Is he really gonna do? See? So when you take you out of it, then it becomes a little easier to believe. God is just performing his word, no matter who speaks it, no matter who believes it. So if you can take yourself out of the picture, as far as the manifestation is concerned, all you got to do is believe and show God your faith. How do I show God my faith? By my works, confession, getting up every day, thanking him for it. Acting like it's yours before it's yours. Don't doubt. Don't fear. Don't change your confession. All of those things are really corresponding actions to your faith. They they help strengthen your faith and keep it, hold it up. The bring it to pass part is God's job. So where we get mixed up sometimes is we we think we're in trying to do corresponding action where we're actually trying to bring it to pass. We think if we do this enough, do that enough. So you're trying to make it happen by your much, much speaking. Amen. Pharisees did that. Didn't work for them either. Won't work for you. Amen. <laughs> Amen. So, so, I mean, you know, it just makes sense. Just let let the Holy Spirit help you with this. Let me help you is what God is saying. Amen. Quit running around doing everything. Amen. We want to do a little bit of something and make a big deal out of it and then expect God to do something big. Amen. When we're we need to be patient, let patience work for us and and know that God heard you. Your answer is he's working on it. Amen. It's not here yet where you can see it, but you have, you have evidence that it's real and that it's coming. God gave you evidence that it was yours when you prayed. Amen. Your faith is your evidence. Amen. And so, and then you want further evidence. You want to strengthen your faith. You want to get peace again about it. Instead of just being all up in arms because it hasn't happened yet. Amen. And so then we, we, we start living by faith. We start realizing, Hey, I thought I was going to, going to fall over dead if it didn't get here. And that was three months ago. Hello. Ain't here yet. So I know to fall over dead is not going to happen. Amen. <laughs> So I think maybe I'll just let patience perfect me. Patience have its maturing work. 
See, mature is the difference between sitting on the edge of your chair, murmuring, complaining, fainting, getting crazy, and just walking around and acting like you have it before you have it. That's a big thing that patience will do for you. Why? Because you have all the fruit working in your life that, listen, the reason you're upset about your finances is because you're afraid you're going to run out before you can do what you need to do. You're scared it's not going to last as long as it's supposed to last. So that makes you what? Anxious. What would make you see the money missing is not the problem. It's the anxiety. It's, it's what it makes you react to the the way it makes you act crazy. But if you can can get in a place where patience can perfect you, you can get the peace like you're a millionaire. You can act like you got it before you got it. You have all the fruit of the Spirit. It's not bugging you that it's not here yet. Why? Because you know it's coming. There's a due season and it's coming. Well, no, no, that's not always true. Yes, it is. It's God's Word. It's true all the time. You may not want it to be true, but what do you have to replace it? Besides sitting on the edge of your chair worrying, turning on, turn on Christian TV and find out somebody who will give you a miracle if you'll send them a cheap seed. They never ask for anything that's going to really move God. You know, $20, any amount, $10, you know. Because you're nervous. Just go somewhere and sit down. Keep your money in your pocket. Till God really tells you. Don't go fishing for an easy remedy out of your anxiety. The Bible says be anxious for nothing. But you got to pray. And give thanksgiving to God. And then his peace will descend on you. But I don't have it yet. And you ain't going to get it like you carrying on here. Jumping up and down has never impressed God. Huh? Might make you feel a little better. You, you know, asserted yourself. <laughs> you broke out in a little sweat like you're really doing something. That might make you feel a little good. But it's, it's not moving God's hand any faster. What moves his hand? Your faith, but your faith with your works of patience. Acting like you got it before you got it. That's a patient person. Amen. I do. People can put, you can put yourself in a different spiritual position just by your attitude and actions about things. You can get yourself in a place of joy. You can get your place, self in a place of overflowing joy and, and, and righteousness where you, you, you don't have a thought that there's something wrong with what you're doing. It's why you don't have it yet. So you've got to stay in that mindset that God has given me everything already. There's nothing else for him to give me. Amen. And so you have it all already. The good thing to do is start believing that, amen, along with believing that he will bring to pass whatever it is that you desire, amen, amen. So so our faith has to be dormant. Other than that, we would have everything instantly. 
God can't do that. He he did it with Adam. Now, Adam didn't have any restriction, but after the fall, God had to put some curbs on the power of our words and, and all of that kind of stuff. So he's giving it gradually back to us, amen, uh, by faith. And so we have everything already if we'll believe it, amen. So, uh, so the corresponding action is what really brings your faith alive, amen. It brings it alive, amen. We are not saved by works, but we are saved by faith shown by works. Not works outside of faith, but works of faith. Amen? Amen. So faith first, and then works that cause our faith to come alive. Amen? Amen. So, so when we, we do the Roman road, Romans 10, we'll turn there. Amen? So we'll know exactly how this works. You you desire something from God. You spend time in the word so that that you get understanding of what God wants for you. God will enlighten your spirit when it's for you. Do you understand what I'm saying? You get a peace in your spirit, you get a quickening when you read it. You, you, in, and if it doesn't come immediately, if you continue to meditate on it, meditation brings life to the word. Especially if it's a basic need. Now I'm not talking about find, trying to find in the Bible that you're going to be a millionaire. I'm talking about your health, talking about him taking care of you. The things that blanket promises that God has given us are easily, easily understood and made manifest just through the simple process of of reading the word, meditating on the word, rehearsing it over and over in your hearing, speaking the word over and over again, all those things, um, uh, but but believing in your heart and confessing with your mouth. So in Romans 10, where it says here, verse 8, The word is near you. It's even in your mouth and in your heart. That is the word of faith that we preach. That if you shall confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus. And shall believe in your heart. That God has raised him from the dead. You shall be saved. Amen. And healed. And delivered. And wealthy. And prosperous. You get all that in a package deal because the Holy Ghost comes to live in you when you get born again. What more could you want? Amen? And so once the Holy Spirit becomes resident inside of you, then he begins to teach you the Word of God. So it's not like you, not like, uh, school, you know, where you went, you memorized stuff and you had to regurgitate it to the teacher. This is a teacher who lives inside of you, who helps you gather the things that are necessary for your life right now. And I can tell you, it's very important to stay in sync and cooperate with God for where he has you right now. Amen. Because you can go way out of bounds on things that you think you're supposed to have or 
or, you know, you hear something preached and it sounds itching ears. You, it tantalizes your itching ears. It, it, that the stuff doesn't all often always register in your spirit. What God has for you is spiritually discerned first. And then later it's, it's made alive through you meditating on it. I believe that, that God works in necessary areas with us first. Because you have to have an, an, a place in your heart for that, that promise to reside. It's gotta fit in somewhere. It can't come on top of something, you know, that, that, that you, you know, say if you're like James said here in, 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 in James chapter two, he said, if you, if you find somebody who doesn't have food, you gotta feed them. You can't say be warmed and filled and send them on their way and think you've satisfied them. It's the same thing with the things we need in our lives. When you tell God, I need, I just need to have my bill paid so I'm not set out on the street, He will give you scripture that deals with that immediate need, not go and tell you you're gonna be a millionaire and you can't get your bills paid. Do you understand what I'm saying? That doesn't fit right there. But it's amazing how many people will flock to, to that kind of, of a meeting and that kind of information when they don't know how to get, get up and get to work on time with the, the, you know, minimum wage thing they have right now. Why would God crowd your life like that? He, he touches your need, not your greed. He won't put you in a place where you're tempted to go beyond where you're able right now. You'll get disappointed and frustrated with that. I've seen it happen to so many Christians that, yeah, God, I got prophecy. I'm going to be a millionaire. I say, you and everybody else. You understand what I'm saying? That don't make you special. What will make you special is when I see them millions, when you make it rain. Right. That, that impresses, see. We'll know it's real then. Amen. Amen. So, so, so he says here, the word is near you. You don't have to go anywhere to get it's already inside of you. The word is near you. It's even in your mouth and in your heart. That is the word of faith that we preach. So, so if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus, in other words, his word, and believe in your heart that God's raised him from the dead according to the scriptures, you shall be saved. Amen. That means that you have Jesus in your heart by the person of the Holy Spirit. He says, for with the heart man believes unto righteousness. So you get right standing by what you believe in your heart. So you're righteous by believing all of these things. But you're born again when you confess it. You're healed when you confess it. See, there's a, a way that your faith must be released so that the manifestation will come to you, and that is always first through your confession. So you've got to confess first what it is that you believe. You've got to confess it. And then there's corresponding action. So, for instance... The Bible commands us as believers to love one another. Love God first. Love your neighbor as yourself. There's a corresponding action to love. 
Now there's a whole list of it in, in 1 Corinthians 13, but maybe God isn't making you do the whole list today. Come on now. See, people get condemned when the devil tells them, well, look at you. What kind of Christian are you? You said that to so-and-so. You got me? And then we go about in a hurry trying to make sure we're nice to everybody. We make sure nobody criticizes us. Make sure we we don't do a cross thing or a bad thing to anybody ever. ever. You just keep working, working, working. Well, where's your faith and what's a corresponding action to your faith? Huh? See, you gotta back up and let your faith start to tell you what God's telling you to do. Because if you don't, all your life you will be a pawn for the devil and a man pleaser and be resentful on the inside because you don't, you ain't feeling it. You don't really believe in what you're trying to do. The worst thing we can do as a church is start to be, uh, uh, behavior Nazis and and uh, confession Nazis, you know, start to dictate to one another because we don't think you you love people because you don't do this and this and this like I do. See, that's usually what it is. It's something they think they do well. They measure you against them, and then you come up short always. Amen. And so. This is a, a a thing that we, and same thing with, with faith for anything else. We can beat people up about giving. You're supposed to tithe. Don't, do you, they, do you, you, you curse with a curse. That's God's money. And da, 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 on and on and on. Why do we harangue people? Why don't we leave people alone and let them hear from God? And see, when, when they don't have money for groceries, they fall out with the church because they were giving all their money up there. And I told the pastor we didn't have money. And he said, we don't have any money to give you. You got me? Or food. Or anything. And so this this business of works outside of faith is is not scriptural. We're not to, to dictate to people. How to, to show love or how to show they care or how to show this or how, you know, who are you to show something? Did God resign and you took over his job all of a sudden? See, we have to let this stuff go because we cause a lot of harm to people by demanding from them that they conform to some formula that we think we're good at. And you ain't that good at what you're trying to do. And if you if you don't believe that, God will show it to you in a New York minute. You know, I've seen it over the years. People, it's just, see you. You gotta love people. Gotta love this, and they'll wind up in a situation with somebody who's very hard to love. You see, because your own words condemn you or justify you. So you need to lay off this this uh, partiality or uh, this partial thing that we get into. We think we're doing something good. We want to judge other people by it. You understand what I'm saying? And we're not really justified because we're not living by faith because everybody's in the works when you start demanding it from people. And and very soon you'll find out that you ain't that good at it. 
without God, you're not good at all. You, you fail miserably. You gotta, you gotta let God, um, you know, have this. Amen. Amen. Praise God. Praise God. So, so without works, faith is dead. And you got to do what you do by faith, which means you can't just pick up the Bible, read it one time and say, I'm going to go run off and do all this stuff. You've got to let that word dwell in you richly by faith, as, as the Bible tells us. You've got to meditate on it. You've got to make it a part of you. You've got to let that rule in your life and not get anxious that you're not doing it fast enough. Amen. And, and allow God to mellow you into it. Allow him. And you're going to have to go through some persecution. Because I've seen people who are not big givers. And what people in, in authority do to them. Beat you up every Sunday when they take the offering. Because they, you know, feel like they can beat it out of you. You know. We shouldn't be so desperate for, for things like that. And oftentimes the preacher don't have faith himself is why he's beating up on the people. So you're not going to get faith sitting under somebody like that. You you just have to have to learn how to go through all of that. <laughs> it's like uh running through a minefield. You gotta avoid the legalists, you gotta avoid the the church people, you gotta avoid this and avoid that, right? Just keep running for Jesus and so you don't get blowed up in the process. Amen. Amen. So people are, are not, not, uh, uh, gracious by any means sometimes in their judgment. They judge things, people by themselves instead of by the word. Righteous judgment. And really the best thing is leave people alone. You know, I've found that over the years, just love people, leave them alone. You know, if you see if God quickens to you, they need help with something, you pray for them, you know, that kind of stuff. But, but let, and, and make sure that you are the one who's, who's obeying by faith, that you stay in the word so that your faith grows and then you have something to share with others because yours is genuine. See, when you get yours by faith, it's genuine and then it's strong and it's resilient and it's able to help some other people. You know, like the Bible talks about the word being a seed. And, and when you plant that word, you know, it starts like a mustard seed and, and it grows. It starts out the smallest of all seeds. And they say, and then it grows into a very large bush and birds can find lodging there. You want your faith to be able to shelter other people, to shelter some lost souls, to shelter Amen. You you don't want it to be just a little seed that you keep clucking at all day long and never grows anywhere. And so if we'll let faith work. If we'll let uh, the fruit of the spirit perfect us, let faith have her perfecting work on us, then it'll it'll go well with us. So praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. So, anyway. <clears throat> so the corresponding action to our faith is what we want to operate on. Amen? So the deeds are the outer reflection of an inner conviction. Amen? Deeds are an outer reflection of an inner conviction. Really, once once your faith is strong enough... You can't help but 
act out what your faith is telling you to do. And that's where you want to get it to. You don't want to be the kind of person that's always looking for something to do to impress God that you really believe him. That's not what corresponding action is. Amen. Corresponding action is something that the Holy Spirit begins to work inside of us so that by the time our faith is is able to cause a manifestation, it'll be like an automatic thing. You know, it'll be like an automatic thing to do so that our faith really, really causes the manifestation. So so when we talk about uh, our our deeds, our deeds are an outer reflection, really, of an inner conviction. They're an outer reflection of an inner conviction. Deeds are also referred to as fruit. Amen. So when, when your, your deeds, uh, manifest, it's because that seed of whatever it is that you planted in there has grown to the place where your deeds begin to manifest what you really believe. And see, this is why it's good to, to not be a, a people watcher. You understand what I'm saying? Uh, and, and this is something that, that is really, really important because people's deeds really reflect what they believe. So if, if a person, a person doesn't manifest what you think they should in a certain area, it's because it's a faith problem. And it's a problem sometimes of the enemy laying snares and traps for them that they are not aware of that he's doing you can't judge people by what you think they should be doing according to what you think is important in god's kingdom um you've got to allow people to grow you've got to allow them to mature you got to allow because they're going to find out sooner or later they ain't what they think they are you know we all find that out and so in 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 god will allow us to to we he doesn't fall out with us and he's not tired of us and he's not through with us just because we can't get this thing right. You know, we keep stumbling on this one little thing. Amen. You know, there, and there's some things that the people do. They need to do just because the Bible puts a, a, a must do on it. You know, um, there's some things people think they can't master. Because they haven't mastered it yet. But they haven't been obedient to what God says to do in order to master it. Do you got me? Like the Bible says, flee fornication. Why are you still hanging around with them same people you used to be with in the world? See, it says flee. That means you have the ability to do it. You have the ability to get up and run. (laughs) You got me? Everybody does. There, the, on the other hand, there's some things that say it might be easy for certain people to keep their weight under control. You know, it, they don't even have to think twice about it. But the Bible says self-control is a what? A fruit of the spirit. So maybe they haven't, their spirit hasn't grown to the place where they can exercise a level of self-control in that. 
maybe they just need self-control. Maybe it's all they can do to get up out the bed in, in the morning and go to work every day. You know, and then they come home and have to manage the kids. You got me? You might get nervous and eat too much. You understand what I'm saying? So that doesn't excuse certain things, but at least you know that there's the, the, the possibility that that person can grow into that level of self-control as God releases it into them. Maybe that's not top on God's agenda for them right now. You, you understand what I'm saying? You know, and, and then sometimes it is and people are just ignoring God. But you gotta let people work that out. You can't work that out for them. Amen. You can't do things for everybody. Everything ain't your business. Amen. Let the Holy Spirit run stuff down him. He does an excellent job of running this whole thing without our help. Amen. Amen. You know, I'm, we, we're all the same. You, somebody walks past you and say, Oh Lord, what'd they put that on for? You understand what I'm saying? I mean, what, what could they have been thinking? But you got to cut it off at that and say, Lord bless them. Please forgive me, Lord, for judging. You know what I'm saying? Judging your peoples. Just, just don't hold that to my account. Amen. They ain't committed no sin by what they doing here. Amen. And so we, we have to understand that, you know, the one, the reason that we, we cover people at the altar. Most people don't think of land on the floor of the church when they leave to come to church in the morning. Amen. So we don't condemn people for, you know, if you got on a short dress and it's going to be shorter when you fall on the floor, we cover you up. Love covers. You understand what I'm saying? And and we can do that in every instance, whatever it is. We can exercise love and cover certain things so people aren't exposed. Amen. Sometimes people, you know, you know, anybody who's invited somebody to church, you don't check and see what they're wearing before you. You're so glad they want to come to church with you. Just put them in the, you know. <laughs> well, if God didn't stop it before you got them out the door, he ain't going to, he doesn't hold it against them when they get there. So we, we need to loosen up on this because this is important because we push people around with what we think the, the exercise of their face should look like. See, we, we do that. We, we, we want, when we ask people how they're doing, you know, and, and people are cautious. They don't know what to say. Am I going to get judged by my confession or, you know, what did I say or whatever, whatever, whatever. Now, some of y'all, your confession is raggedy and you need to have fixed it years ago. Now, I'm going to say that right there. You understand what I'm saying? You shouldn't be saying my arthritis, my this, my that if it's a problem. You need to quit owning it with your mouth. So all you need to do is remind yourself, oh, Lord, what am I saying? This ain't mine no more. And go get your words and help yourself. You ain't doing it for me. You're doing it for yourself. Amen. And learn how to help yourself with what you can do as much as you can so that you're not self-conscious all the time when somebody asks you a simple question like how you doing i don't even expect an answer many times you know it's to me it's just a formality or it's a gesture of politeness it lets people know you care amen you know or i i flipped it around i say you doing good that implies you're gonna say yeah and we're gonna keep it moving 
You understand what I'm saying? You don't even have to think about that. How you doing, girl? You doing good? Like, you know, with a uptick in you. You doing good? Yes, is the answer. Amen. And don't say it to people that's got real problems. Amen. You just, you got to come a different way with, with people with real problems. But you know what I'm saying. You, you have to allow yourself the opportunity to let your faith work and let the corresponding action be a part of what you do. Amen. You got to look for that corresponding action to your faith. You got to look for it. Amen. You got to know that God is going to give you the next step. The corresponding action is always the next step that your faith needs to take so that you can get the total manifestation. This, there is a, there is a good reason for all of this. And that is so that you can get what God has promised you, that you will not fail on anything. You receive everything that you're believing God for. So there's a good, there's a method to this madness of making sure you understand that there's a corresponding action to your faith that must come forth from your spirit man. It can't always come from external. Amen. Now for healing, it's a mixed bag. Healing can manifest just by your words. And we all know that. If if you feed yourself the word and listen to the word and hear the word, that healing's got to come. But there may be times when God wants to do something different in the way he heals you. You know, might send you to somebody's meeting, might tell you to pull out some some tapes that you haven't listened to in a while. It can be different. And so we have to listen for the corresponding action, listen for the instruction of the Holy Spirit, because when you do that, you'll get it. You won't be led down. And I hate to see people pick up things that they just do because they thought somebody said it would work. You got a better teacher than that. You got the Holy Spirit to teach you. He can tell you what definitely will work for you. Amen. All right. Why don't we stop? Father, I thank you for your word and for understanding. Thank you for all of the things, Lord, that you're giving us, how you bless us, how you help us, how you manifest, Father, your word and the blessing of your word. So, Lord, we thank you for it. We bless you and we praise you for it in the name of Jesus the one who is worthy, worthy, worthy to be praised. We love you, Lord, and we thank you for it. Praise God. Amen. All right, why don't we do our confession? I don't have Rona. She don't have me. I can't get Rona. She can't get me. Thank you, Jesus, that by your stripes we are healed. Amen, amen, and amen again. It's so decreed. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Praise God.